This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers, it's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Business Storytelling Podcast. Uh, Certainly, it's been an interesting year, 2020, the year of the coronavirus pandemic uh, that has canceled a lot of events, moved a lot of events online. And interestingly, I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, hey, what do you want to do with our project with this uh, event? And and he wrote back, uh, well, since it's been canceled, uh, let's just pause it. And interestingly, uh, it didn't officially cancel. It actually just moved online, but uh, probably opened up uh, what he was thinking about what that meant to move it online um, a little bit there. So today's uh, guest who will join me on the show to talk about what are we going to do moving forward? Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of companies use c- conferences to drive leads, of course, to drive revenue, and now things are changing quite a bit. Uh, RP. Singh is the head of content marketing at the Asia Content Network based in Singapore. RP, how's it going? Great, Chris. How are you doing? Doing great. Uh, And of course, you have, uh, you've planned a number of events over the years, Content Marketing Summit uh, and others. Um, Talk about what what has been going on with, with events, what you've seen. I mean, is everything moving virtual and, and being canceled or what's what's the future outlook currently see uh, the status is uh, very very uh, in a, in, a, in this kind of a scenario no one can predict when and what is the future like you know we are not sure when the vaccine is going to be there so we are not able to predict how long it will take to host physical events again uh, and given the events that we were running and the kind of events we were running, the physical experience uh, was very, very important. Uh, these were mainly marketing events where product demos were scheduled. You know, people wanted to meet each other, which they otherwise don't do uh, or otherwise not able to do. So physical element uh, had a lot of importance in the kind of events uh, we were doing. And I'm sure uh, that goes for a lot of events uh, uh, in the other industry sectors also. So what has happened with us at least uh, and what I see around, uh, for now, most of our events are canceled. Now, we have tried to move some uh, some conversations online, some conversations virtual. Uh, but you know, when we did a few of those so-called webinars or, or virtual sessions, we realized that, you know, that the something is missing, you know. Uh, and what is that something we already knew that people wanted to actually physically go somewhere, meet people, experience something, which was clearly missing. Uh, virtual events for us uh, or moving to virtual was something uh, no-brainer. We had to do it because we had to keep our presence uh, in the system. 
uh, in the ecosystem of, of content marketing and ecosystem of events. Uh, but it has been tough uh, so far, uh, you know, to get attendees for a virtual event because every day, if you if you look at your LinkedIn feed, you will get to see at least ten to twelve webinars uh, happening around the area that you are dealing in. So it has been tough. Uh, now talking about future, I think uh, we will keep hosting uh, virtual events uh, to the extent that it keeps our presence uh, in the in the in the marketing fraternity alive but uh, i do not have major plans of uh, taking complete business virtual at least uh, when it comes to events uh, i i have personally chosen to wait and watch for uh, 6 to 9 months going forward and see how it goes from there so you never know i mean after after 9 months after 6 months uh, situation uh, might change uh, in our favor and for example, in Singapore, we have seen uh, some relax relaxations uh, are coming our way. Uh, theaters are being opened up. Uh, therefore, we see event space uh, again, you know, opening up slowly. So for now, it's wait and watch. It, and it has been wait and watch for a little while. Um, so what you mentioned, you see three invites to webinars every day. Uh, I, there was a day the other day, uh, RP, I signed up for three webinars. I didn't make one of them, right? Because I got yeah. caught up in in actual work things. And, and uh, one of them I did get to late. And I thought the topic was really, really interesting, uh, but I didn't get to it. So I'm still waiting for the replay. But what's interesting, so I, as you know, I love to travel. I love to experience uh, cultures that I don't usually uh, spent time in. Uh, I like to see new places. And I, of course, I like to uh, give keynotes and, and, and interact with the audience. But all that has changed. I mean, even the travel, right? It's just been, uh, it, it's just been very interesting. And I don't, I don't really want to get on a plane right now, quite frankly, um, at all. Yeah, yeah. When people say to me, hey, you want to keynote our virtual summit? I mean, is that, what do you think about that? I mean, I, so when somebody says, so I did a, uh, keynote or talk or whatever for the Agora Pulse Summit. And I'm literally in my home office, right? Um, just like I'm like, like we're right now, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm dressed, but I'm not dressed up. Um, yeah. It's not the same thing, right? Or do you, I mean, do you think it is? And can it, or can it ever get there? I totally agree with you. You know, uh, first of all, we need to understand there is in the last uh, four or five months, there is a huge webinar fatigue which has set in. Uh, you know, I personally ran a poll on LinkedIn asking people after how many webinars uh, you think webinar fatigue can set in. And to my surprise and shock, uh, a lot of people said after four or five webinars. So if people are not able to attend more than four or five webinars in a month. Uh, I don't know where to go from here. And when you when you talk about keynote speakers and uh, keynote sessions and other regular sessions, it is very difficult to create that differentiation in a virtual environment. You know, if you have a star speaker, uh, if you have a showstopper, uh, you ultimately uh, in a virtual environment, he's still doing the same thing which other all other speakers are doing. So. You're not able to give him uh, you know, more importance uh, in the sense uh, of presence of that speaker because there is no differentiation between 
a non keynote or a keynote or a, or a, or a show stopper or regular speakers uh, so therefore it it brings me back to the point i uh, earlier mentioned that the experience of virtual is not same uh, so i don't know you know how uh, it will go going forward uh, i see a lot of uh, companies innovating in the virtual event space also you know trying to use ar vr uh in the manner of speaking that they are trying to innovate within the limitations that we have uh but we'll have to see how those uh, you know products uh, uh do uh, when they hit the ground uh when we see you know 500 600 people online and how they behave those those products because there is latency there are there are speed issues there are other infrastructural issues which need to be taken care of before we actually uh can trust these you know innovative highly sophisticated tech based you know virtual event product uh, platforms you know so a few things to unpack there so virtual reality i'm a big big fan i've i've produced virtual reality content my, myself as i mentioned before uh it's super cheap to produce honestly like a camera now costs under 100 you know more advanced ones yeah. 200 yeah. so yeah. super super easy to produce um but the problem with vr is there's really two problems that i'm still seeing with it one is it takes up a ton of bandwidth right so for example yeah i had terrible wifi at home we just changed providers it's like it went from uh 5 mbps whatever it's called to 26 for uh downloads or no 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 that's not right 5 mm-hmm. 5 to 38 for downloads and okay. 0.8 to 26 for uploads. So mm. at the previous with the previous internet, I mean virtual reality was a no-go, right? Like I could like I have a headset but I, you put it on it's just buffering and buffering and buffering. So that's one problem. The other problem with VR and you tell me uh even when I go to a conference, right? Like even when I'm super engaged listening to somebody, I'm still on Twitter. I'm still uh open for other people to talk to me who are nearby. I'm not 100% only on the speaker, right? The speaker always has to uh earn my attention. Um and and I know that speaking to myself, I know that's a fact, right? If I'm not interesting for 30 seconds, people start checking Twitter or email or whatever. And that's a problem with VR because you literally have to be focused on the one thing. And the one thing to keep your attention is a challenge i mean do you what what do you think of that no absolutely absolutely uh what we have experienced uh, during our virtual sessions you know irrespective of how interesting the speaker is it is very difficult to grab and hold uh, attention of the attendee you know because it is happening on the on the laptop and because uh, multiple screens are opened Uh, at the same time and we are all working virtually and we are you know doing uh, many other things which are personal in nature social networking tweeting as you, as you rightly mentioned so it is it is very very difficult to uh, to get hold of that attention so therefore at times you know uh, speakers also or or the experts uh, that that are guest speakers at times they also feel that you know uh, maybe shorter sessions you know we used to do 
uh, for example, in our physical events, we used to do 20 to 25 minute sessions in our events. But that has come down to 10 to 15 minutes for per, per speaker session, which means we are trying to condense all the information or all the important information within that 10 to 15 minute span, including Q&A. You know? So this is another shift that we have seen. People are not interested in uh, somebody talking and, and, and you listening to him or her. It is more of uh, interactivity or interactive sessions involving a lot of questions, uh, which may not be uh, the which may not be the scene or may not be the model in a physical event scenario where you have to listen to somebody for X number of minutes and then the Q&A open, opens up when it is allowed. But in virtual events, we have also changed our uh, you know, model or, or way of operations a little bit by introducing a huge Q&A component. For example, when we do... Uh, arrange for these sessions, we invite for the problems beforehand. We share those problem statements with the speakers or with the experts beforehand so that they come prepared uh, and they can try to, you know, keep these guys, these attendees hooked on because they are discussing their problems. So we are also learning, you know, uh, as we go along. Uh, so there are, there are no uh, set rules as such because it's only been four or five months, uh, at least for us. We are learning uh, on the job, and uh, it, it it is very difficult to you know keep uh, to keep the uh, attendees glued on to something, uh, irrespective of who the speaker is and uh, where he's coming from and what he's about to you know share. So uh, I would imagine that uh, making it more interactive creates a whole another set of problems, and uh, you know I absolutely right. I mean I used to actually be very interactive on a couple of keynotes and I still am even well I haven't done any speaking obviously in a few months but uh, you know I used to give away books and try to get people to engage and and one of the feedbacks was why do you expect us to engage Sunday morning at 11 a.m and yeah. I'm, and I'm like oh, okay but who and I didn't pick the time right but anyway we don't make excuses we just listen to the feedback yeah. but same online when I'm listening to, and of course, when I'm listening to a presentation online, I don't have to hide, right? If I don't want to participate, like you sit somewhere and the speaker looks at you and you feel like yeah. you got the teacher stare. But how many, and then, <laughs> and then on the other side of things, um, especially depending on how questions, I guess they're probably submitted through chat. But if you truly make it interactive where people can ask uh, audio questions, I mean, do, do people want to do that? Do they want to participate or do they rather just listen? And, or, or how do you, uh, what have you seen from the market there? So uh, different markets have uh, behaved uh, in a different manner. So our, our event is currently happening in, in three key markets, which is India, uh, Singapore, and Australia. And, and all of them are very, very different from each other in, in these nuances. So for example, in India, uh, people want to ask a lot of questions uh, and they want to use their audio. They want to they want to even use the video while asking questions. Now, the problem in India uh, is, is very different. Uh, so low bandwidth is the is the biggest problem. Now, when we allow it to happen, sometimes the audio is breaking video. You can't even you know, try for uh, for attendees. And there is a lot of background noise, which is which is happening at attendees end. So after 
allowing it for one or two initial sessions, we have completely moved chat-based questions because it was simply not possible uh, to listen to what an, uh, any attendee wants to ask uh, because of these technical and uh, bandwidth-related issues. Now, coming to Singapore, uh, people would like to... Uh, people, people are a little bit of... Uh, you know, I, would, I won't say scared of asking questions, but they're, they're too shy to ask questions uh, using their audio or video. They, they prefer to ask uh, using their chat box. Uh, and we have been doing events in the in Singapore for last three four years, and and we know that when we when we host our physical events also, people are reluctant to stand up and ask questions. They would they would want to submit it, you know, using a poll option or using uh, a, a slido that we activate for any event. Uh, but they are reluctant to stand up and speak. Australia, on the other hand, is very different. Uh, it's a mix of uh, all kinds of people and. Uh, but they would like to, uh, they would like to again uh, stand up and uh, participate and interact uh, with the speakers. But when it comes to virtual, uh, it's very difficult. You know, it, it's very difficult for speakers to plan the timing of the duration, uh, duration of the entire session because if they have to convey uh, X Y Z things in their in the discussion, and if they focus too much on it. Uh, on interactivity and asking questions, sometimes time management can become an issue. So these are, you know, market by market uh, challenges which we have faced in the last uh, four or five months. Yeah. So, you know, I was actually, uh, I spoke in Mumbai 2015 or 2016, and I, I you know, a little bit of a uh, flashback there to my, it was a great, great time in Mumbai speaking to a group, 600 people roughly in the audience. Uh, and they definitely had a lot of questions and they wanted to uh, ask them and really have a conversation, which as you might imagine, when you have a lot of people, is really hard to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that brings me to another problem um, that I just thought about. What are, you, uh, what are you recommending when this happens? So for example, so let's say you got 600 people uh, in, a, in a session and one person asks a question. That's of course very important to them. But it might not be important to the other 599 people. How do you know? How do you weigh uh, that balance? I mean, I'm always thinking when I uh, when I when it gets to Q and A, right? In some sessions, I sometimes listen to the first question, but a lot of times I go, "Well, they're not my questions," um, and I, I move on. Not always, but but how do you balance that potential problem? So we have actually uh, learned from our experiences and we have actually left it to people uh, in the room, uh, which is all the other attendees. And we have completely moved it to uh, a platform-based Q&A. So if you're familiar with the platform called Slido, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, which is, which is uh, quite um, uh, omnipresent kind of a platform when it comes to events. So when we ask people to you know, submit questions only through Slido, uh, and when other people rate it, uh, obviously one particular question may get uh, better uh, ranks as compared to others. So we try to prioritize uh, those questions who are getting more likes or, or uh, which are getting a lot of favorites uh, as in thumbs up from other attendees as well. Uh, 
and in any in any case uh, we do not allow now i'm talking purely about uh, the physical event scene because the session itself is 20 minutes um, and you cannot allow more than 4 5 minutes of q and a after each session so that's one way of controlling to see what what are the favorite topics uh, within the community which is sitting right there and the other thing is uh, what we do is all the other questions that are there in the list uh, which could go unanswered we send them to respective speakers after the conference and we try to get response and in our follow up emailer to all the attendees as a thank you mailer uh, we try to uh, take responses and send it to them now are these the best methods i won't say uh, you know but these are some of the things that we have tried to do uh, with our attendees and and uh, i think some answers is is always better than no answers you know people feel that okay maybe seven days later finally i i got some response to uh, the question that i asked uh, at the conference Yeah that's actually a fantastic strategy you mentioned that we also used at meetings today when I was working with the Staymates uh business media company and basically they have all these people show up to the webinar and they can't answer all the questions so what they do is uh they take all the questions and they basically write an article from those questions right and then they share the article wow. with yeah. all attendees because and so mm-hmm. that's a I mean it's a fantastic way to create one's publish everywhere um and you know if you didn't get your question answered it's uh, it's it's in one article so there's not 10 articles if there's 10 questions there's one article with 10 answers um but you know i think that's fantastic let's no, talk that's a great content creation idea right and and which is coming from customer problems you know attendee problems exactly and yeah. you know and why does it have to end when the webinar ends i mean that's uh, yeah you know that i always wondered why some people thought about it that way uh, see i i really have i'm struggling rp to call it a conference right i'm calling it a webinar because i i really <laughs> haven't seen very many good online conferences let's talk yeah. about live or recorded so here's what i've done Um so mm-hmm. I uh when I was on the Agora Bolt Pulse Summit it was a topic that's re- like I speak about right my latest book came out content performance culture it is available contentperformance.online uh but that's the session so they said mm-hmm. you can do it live or you can do it recorded uh content marketing mm-hmm. summit is coming up here in October uh, I'm doing a session there as well if you want to register trap 100 uh, gets you $100 off and they asked the same thing do you want to do it live yeah. or do you want to record it and and in content marketing world's example i just said well whatever you want i don't whatever that's fine with me for gora post yeah. i recorded it and it's so um it's so the way i recorded it is i said thanks for joining me for the summit let's talk about how do you create a content performance culture and i have since used that video for other conferences because it's not specific to that one right yeah, um, yeah. so but that kind of takes the joy out of me too right because i'm not actually giving another keynote i'm just like sending you a video uh how yeah. like what are your thoughts on that what are the advantages to recording and using it or uh doing the doing it live uh so you know in my experience of of uh, last 4 uh, 5 months what we have seen 
uh, is a better traction or better response to a live event, uh, live online event, uh, as compared to the recorded ones. There will always be people, you know, 30, 40% of people who will say, I won't, I won't be able to attend or I could not attend, send me the recording. But I think uh, the joy or, or uh, the experience of live uh, cannot be replicated in the recorded one. Because recorded, recorded webinar is just like a YouTube video. You know, you can go and check it out at any point of time, which works for some people. But I think um, the kind of people, the kind of speakers, the kind of experts we try to get, they are literally the C-suite, you know, either they're CEOs or CMOs. I, I personally think they deserve their due uh, attention. And, and uh, by getting these kind of very high profile speakers, what we have seen from our audience is they want to uh, attend it live because they think they can ask live you know questions they can interact with other people they can see uh, who else is online for example and it it gives them some sense of uh, uh, you know uh, an engaged or an interactive session uh, as compared to a recorded one which is which is as i said it it's like a recorded youtube video which you can find on YouTube anyway, you know, uh, if I have to, uh, if I have to see what RP Singh has to say about content marketing in general or any specific subject, they can go to my YouTube page and they can find that information anyway. Uh, or I can send them the link uh, anyway. But I think there is there is a little bit of more fun in live. Uh, the speakers, the experts are always. Uh, on the toes, uh, not in the not not in a manner of speaking that they are unprepared, but it keeps them also energized because they know that uh, that the attendees might ask questions based on what they're saying. So it it creates a different kind of experience uh, for all involved. Yeah, it, very true. And you know, it's interesting too. I guess it depends on the makeup of the audience quite a bit, right? So if you have um, a majority of people attending the live session, it makes total sense to have live. If you have the majority watch the replay, right? Maybe it doesn't make as much of a difference. Um, so that's another thing to, to, to think about. The other thing, and you know, and I actually ran into this before I've seen this in a project. Um, so what they were doing is they were doing a, a webinar or whatever, um, but they didn't necessarily tell them that it was recorded. So it was previously recorded and then it was played back. And there were reasons why that was done. Um, and I think mm -hmm. that I think the reasons weren't weren't terrible reasons. They were not sneaky or anything like that. But uh, so but then what happened is um, there were sometimes uh, people watching and they said, I can't we can't see the slides. Could you pan left? And of course, they couldn't pan left because it was already yeah. recorded. So some of yeah. the, <laughs> you know some of those things yeah I, I'm, I'm trying to imagine the scenario <laughs> so uh, that's an interesting thing so I know we've talked about how do you uh, uh, how do you do sessions but of course conferences are way more than just sessions right they're about networking they're about uh, even deals I mean even you know cutting deals uh, while you're talking to people how about that aspect how do you how do you do that when uh, when you can't have an on-site conference? And have you actually seen it work? 
No, it's it's very difficult, and we haven't even. So what we did initially, we tried to uh, ask people in terms of you know taking feedback. Would you be? Would they be interested in a masterclass, for example, online? Uh, which is a very a very integral part of our conferences whenever we do it. And uh, I think apart from speaking sessions, uh, there are a lot of things that we do at the conference. So last year, we introduced a live content marketing platform uh, at CMS Asia, which is basically inviting all the agencies to to pitch for a live content brief from a brand. Now, that cannot happen suddenly online because there is a lot of background work. There is a lot of uh, to and fro between agencies and clients happening on the brief. There are questions being asked. There are uh, there are brand assets being shared. So there's a lot happening for that particular exercise, which simply cannot happen online. Similarly, networking, as you said, uh, some bit of networking is possible online, uh, but when it comes to having product showcase, uh, showing demos. Uh, again, there are, there are various things which are far more difficult to execute and operationalize in a virtual environment. And then uh, when you are at a physical conference, you go with the objective of attending because there's nothing else happening there. Uh, there is conference, there are, there are these conference plus things that are happening. So you go with the uh, with a bent of mind that I will go these, these, these things there. And probably uh, some people also fix up meetings, you know, before the actual day of the conference uh, so that they can, you know, discuss business or make deals. Now, in a virtual environment, my as an attendee, my first objective is to see how it goes for first few minutes and then I'll see whether I want to carry on with this conference or not. You know, uh, if it is interesting, they will carry on. But uh, to add other frills to this, which are very, very difficult to execute, I think we tried uh, initially, but uh, the feedback was that, you know, uh, too much to do uh, in, in too little time. So we didn't even execute. So we, we restricted ourselves to simple sessions, Q&A, uh, which has worked so far. So therefore... Uh, you know, going forward also, I, I think till the time we, we solve those uh, problems of technology, bandwidth, latency, uh, I don't think it is easy to execute uh, sessions plus other things. Yeah, I, I agree. Even Networking is so, so important. Uh, and I, I also haven't figured that out. I know some conferences, WordCamp Europe, for example, they created... Uh, zoom rooms right so you could speak mm -hmm. you could talk to people in the zoom rooms but it doesn't sound as it's not as easy as it sounds because if there's any amount of people in a zoom room or whatever zoom meeting you know it, it's really hard to get a word in i mean it's really hard to truly network and then the other thing um, even if you do a tech space of course you can network on social media i do it all the time uh you know Actually, what's interesting, two of my talks before they uh, they trended, right? One in Mumbai and one in Oklahoma mm -hmm. City. And so what I did mm -hmm. is once it was done, I talked back to people, right? I responded. I, I, I answered their questions and those kind of things. So you can do that, but it's different if you're doing it on Twitter as opposed to we're just having a conversation. I mean, it, it is, isn't it? 
it it is very very different and i think because we are all learning including attendees you know they even they don't know at times on how to network and how to get their word out in these kind of environments so i have personally been to these uh rooms uh these online rooms and it appears to me that there is total chaos you know a lot of people talking uh even if it is on a text based and you know nobody knows who is responding to whose comments so it 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 became chaos in that particular event and i'm imagining that same would be the case uh with with other events also you know because if there are 10 people in the room they all want to talk you know and there are there are no there are no moderator as such in in rooms there could be a moderator for the for the entire session but i couldn't find any moderators in the rooms because you know there are so many rooms running at this at the uh, you know same time there can't be a moderator so which which led to lot of chaos and uh, it didn't serve the purpose of of getting into a room and trying to connect with other people uh, you know in absence of that i would have connected with those people on a on a linkedin on a more personal one to one level yeah absolutely so i i do hope conferences return at some point here in some form Uh, I, I will say this. I, I hope one thing that doesn't return with it is the constant handshakes. Uh, it's just something. I'm a <laughs> I'm a germaphobe as it is, but you know, you're walking down a hall and you you have to shake 15 people's hand as you're talking yeah. to them. It's like uh, hopefully I know some people think that's part of the cultures, but uh, personally, I think it would be nice to not have to get that back. Um, RP, what's uh, where? Where can people connect with you? Where can they they find your stuff and uh, the conf the, the virtual conferences? Where can they register if uh, if you have any coming up? So to find more about uh, conferences and other stuff that we're doing, uh, people can log on to cmsasia dot org, and to connect with me personally, uh, you can go to my personal website, which is brandrp dot com. Fantastic! Thanks for joining us today and uh, for sharing your insights. Always good to hear uh, ideas, and hopefully, we can all move forward uh, healthy and uh, and safe uh, together. It is always a pleasure to talk to you, uh, and likewise, uh, there are it's it's an exchange of learning. What you can uh, do by in in this period in these limitations is connect and learn from each other on how we are dealing with this. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win. Music.